At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own photography business? If yes, then check out our new course, How to Start a Photography Business. It's led by pro-American photographer Crystal Kenny. She offers a breakdown on everything you need to succeed and make great money running your own photography business. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to Josephine, a portrait and travel photographer with a very impressive portfolio. I've known Josephine for quite some time in the online world, and I'm so happy that we finally had the chance to talk on the podcast. We talk about her travel adventures, the advice she'd give to people who feel insecure in their own skin, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Josephine. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So yeah, I'm Josephine. I'm 26 years old and I'm currently located in Austria and I'm a, I would say, people and travel photographer. So people um, summarizes portraits, couples, weddings, that sort of thing. But I like to summarize it as a people photographer uh, and travel. Yeah. That's really smart because you specialize in so many different subgenres of photography. It would take you a long time to be to say wedding photography, portrait photography. <laughs> so it's uh yeah, it's nice to just say people photography. It summarizes everything. Right, yeah. Um I like to use it mainly because I don't do as you said, like I do a lot of different things and but most of them have in common that there's people in the pictures. So it's just a nice way to summarize it. Yeah, and I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. We've known each other for a long time. We've been sort of like internet slash Flickr buddies for a long time. Yes. <laughs> so it's good to hear your voice for the first time, actually. It's kind of surreal and to find out about your work. And I think the listeners will be excited to see what you're like and to uh, get an idea of who you are as a photographer as well. 
Thank you for having me. What camera equipment do you use? So actually, I still mainly use my Canon 6D with my trusty 50mm 1.8. I think a lot of portrait photographers love that lens. But I also have a 28mm 2.8 that I like for travel photography. Sometimes I have a, or I use a Sigma 17 to 35, 2.8 to 4. And then for other things, more fun projects on the side, I like to use um, my old Yashica. It's an ST701. And I also have an old Polaroid camera from like the 90s that I occasionally use. Uh, And actually my phone, which is obviously more for fun projects again on the side. But um, yeah, the 60 really is my, my baby that comes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love the 51.8. It's definitely one of my favorite lenses for portraiture, obviously, but also for any kind of photography. I think it's just such a versatile. Yeah, lens. it's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I'm curious to know what has been inspiring you the most lately? Ah, that's a good question. As long as I can remember, I would say music has been a big inspiration for me. There is not really one particular genre uh, of music there. It it just depends on what I like at the moment. Also writing, so poetry or prose to other people's blog um, uh, blog posts and stuff like that. And then a lot of other artists and photographers um, are usually big inspirations to me with the way that they convey feelings in their photography. So for example, Claudia Launderville is a girl from the U.S. She's actually more of a cowgirl than a photographer, but she also takes her her, uh, camera to the ranch where she works and takes a lot of pictures, which has been really inspiring for me to see. There's another photographer on Instagram. Her username is Esther's Cannon. I love her work. Um, Kate Woodman is more of a fine art photographer. She has some really nice things that I like. And then classics like uh, Gregory Crewson. I used to, like when I was a child, I remember looking at his photography and thinking like, oh, wow, this is the kind of work that I want to create. And then actually also like Tumblr culture sometimes <laughs> because they have a way, like if you go on Tumblr and you just like, obviously it depends on what you're subscribed to, but if you just scroll down the dashboard, there's just this sort of like nostalgia in the in a lot of the photography that's present on Tumblr and on the internet, that is really inspiring to me. Yeah, you're right. Tumblr culture, yeah, that analog, nostalgic mm-hmm. atmosphere. It's just very inspiring for us, uh, especially for people who have been on Flickr for a long time. I think it's just very reminiscent of those times when we right? were starting out. Yeah. Right, yeah. And yeah, the the nostalgia really is something that drives a lot of my work today and has for a while now that I appreciate it in other people's work and I try to like replicate it in my own to a degree. Yeah. It's a beautiful answer. I'm glad that those things and those people have been inspiring you. And you've been a photographer for quite a while. You got into photography when you were seven, right? Yes. That's amazing. What was that experience like for you as a child? So yeah, I, I think we talked about this once in an interview. I got my first camera at the age of seven by my father. He later gifted me the Yashica that I just mentioned, the old analog camera that he got when he was 16 from his father. 
And when I was a child, I would say it was mostly driven by curiosity. Um, so I would take my little, it was like a tiny little Canon electronic analog. Like it, it wasn't like fully manual, but I don't remember which model it was specifically. But I would take that outside and just like photograph everything. It was still on film. So I had to obviously, you know, keep the cost in mind to a degree. But since my father also likes photography, he would sometimes, you know, pay for the development of the images just because he wanted to to encourage me to take pictures. And he was also the first person who sort of kind of explained to me a little bit how cameras work and what you want to watch out for when you're taking pictures. So like the the lighting and the exposure and all of those things. So yeah, curiosity was was a big thing when I was super young and then around like 13 14 when I started to get a little bit more serious and and Flickr was really big at the time um self-expression was huge for me so that was like photography became the one medium that I would was able to express myself with the best and this whole community that we had on Flickr was inspiring but also like educational you know you would see how other people were taking pictures and you would see what you like and what you dislike and then tr maybe try to replicate it to a degree um obviously not copy it but you know like see like oh this person t takes self-portraits uh during sunset let me try that you know um and really you know as a 14 year old you're still a child so um you're also just like curious and learning and experiencing um, just everything that you can. So yeah, curiosity and self-expression, I would say, were the things that really developed my love for photography at that age. That's wonderful. And especially when you're a child, I think, at least in my experience, and let me know if this is something that you can relate to as well, you don't really feel very self-conscious because you don't have that natural tendency to compare yourself to other people, especially like pre-internet, right? Right. Yeah, it's just, you love it and you do it because you love it. That's it. Right. Like, yeah. There's the, no the, actual end goal as a child. It's just being present, which I think is so refreshing. Right. Yeah. The the one reason, like when I was really young at seven, eight years old, the one reason I took pictures was because I wanted to, you know, remember those moments and those things that I saw and the world around me. So I would go out in the garden and see flowers and I would just take pictures of them because I liked them. And it wasn't about, you know, is this picture going to be famous or anything? It was just the enjoyment of the art and the enjoyment of having my own camera and being able to just, you know, capture what I saw. Yeah, it's like a very innocent worldview mm -hmm. and very pure as well, which I like. I started when I was 12. And so I also, I, I guess I wasn't as, you know, I was on the internet when I first started. So I was very heavily influenced by other people's, you know, people's work. But at the same time, I still had that innocent uh, worldview where I was like, mm, you know, I just want to take good pictures. That's it. And I try to go back to that feeling whenever I can. Do you ever do that yourself where you go back to that feeling you had as a child just to, yeah. you know, re-experience that simplicity? Especially when I travel, but also when I work with clients, I would say those are the, the main Okay, let me rephrase this. When I do work for myself, 
it gets a little harder to go back to the pure curiosity and innocence. But when I travel and when I do work for clients, it's easier because then I'm not really worried as much or barely worried at all about like, is this picture going to get likes? You know, like the only thing I'm focused on is again, capturing like either the landscape that I'm seeing or the people and their feelings and their love or, you know, whatever I'm photographing with other people. If it's a wedding, like the the thing I'm focused on is is the love between the people and the joy and the family and the community. But when I do work for my, like if I do self-portraits, for example, it gets a little bit harder because then I do get a little bit insecure sometimes and I lose the the innocence of the child but yeah I, I do try to get back to it as much as I can yeah that's really interesting I've never thought of it that way and I can really relate when you're working with people you're forced to be present right exactly like there's no room for comparison because you have to be there for them in that moment and when you're traveling as well I guess there's that those element of simplicity where you're just there and you're taking everything in but when you're photographing yourself, it's definitely a challenge because you're like, how do I look? What will people think? It's all unnecessary, but it's it's natural. Yeah. <laughs> and that has that has unfortunately evolved over the years. If I compare myself to like as a teenager taking self-portraits, which is how I started, back then I would just again do it for the sake of of capturing the picture and for self-expression. But now with the rise of, you know, social media, it does get a little more difficult to not let that influence your self-portraits, or at least for me, it does. Let's talk about body image issues for a second, if you're okay with that, since you brought social media, because that's a really important topic, especially for people who do photograph themselves, as you and I do regularly. And I'm sure some of the listeners can relate to this where they, you know, they want to photograph themselves creatively or for whatever reason, but they feel insecure in their own skin. And it's because maybe they compare themselves to other people on social media or they feel like they have to, you know, attain a certain look that is impossible to achieve. What advice would you give to those people? Oh, that's a good question. You know, there's only one person that looks like you in the world even if you're a twin, there's definitely only one you in the sense of how you view the world. So even if you had multiple, like if, even if you, if you t- for example, if you take multiple people photographing the same person, each of the images that you get at the, at the end will look different. So that shows that each person has a unique way of looking at the world and at people around you. So whatever you create as a photographer is totally unique. There's never going to be that same image again. There might be someone who's taking a similar image who looks a similar way, but it's always going to be unique in the sense that you created it with your view and your history. And then if you take pictures of yourself, you can try to at least just keep that in mind and say, okay, I might not look like this model in the magazine or this person that I saw on Instagram, but this is my way of capturing myself. And also for me, what I sometimes like to do, depending on the on the portrait that I'm taking of myself, is really use it as an exercise to 
get to know yourself to a degree because it does get very vulnerable to be in front of the camera, even if there's no one else in the room. And you can really use it to, you know, take a couple of pictures and then really take a look at them and and sort of not criticize yourself, not examine yourself in an overly detailed way, but, you know, learn yourself, like how you feel in front of the camera and how your body feels. I don't know if this is making much sense. No, it is making a lot of sense. Yeah, you have to have that connection with yourself as you would with any other model. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. It's also helpful to know that a lot of people experience this sense of insecurity. And it's always not... I wouldn't say it's relieving to know this because it's not a good thing, but it is it is relieving in a sense to be like, you know, I'm not alone in this feeling. A lot of people feel insecure about themselves. It's normal. And it is an obstacle that you can overcome. Right. And also, obviously, you know, as a, as a white person, I have a lot of representation in the world and it's easier for me to look out into media and see other people that look like me. But I think if you're, uh, you know, can we scratch that? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I, I lost my train of thought and now I don't know how to say this without sounding weird. No worries. No worries. <laughs> we'll scratch that. Don't worry. But you okay. were on the right track, I think. But don't worry. <laughs> okay. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. How has your style evolved in the last decade? Um, I would say it has gotten better. <laughs> no, but it has definitely gotten more consistent, especially with regards to colors. I have always used my own, you know, presets or, you know, styles, but those have evolved to to be pretty much what I want my work to look like now. So I have a feeling that I convey through color that I have, you know, sort of saved as a few base sets and presets, but it helps me to keep the work consistent um, with regard to color. But also, I would say my composition has gotten a little bit more consistent as well. Mm-hmm. And I would say I'm, I've gotten better at capturing the, the feeling of nostalgia and the feeling of like vastness and emptiness aren't really the words that I want to use. But it's the best thing I can come up with right now. You know, like space to a degree. Nostalgia and space are the other two words that has really like come up as a theme in my work, I would say. Yeah. Those are really interesting words. 
And it's very difficult to work with space, I would say, because oftentimes we see all the space and we're afraid of it being, you know, taking away from the composition. But it can be a strength and it can really add a lot to an image. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a big space either. Like, it's just that my use of space has gotten better, probably. Mm -hmm. Actually, when you answered that question with space, the first photo of yours that came to mind was a self-portrait that you took, I believe, in Iceland next to the airplane. Right, yeah. That one has a lot of space, and that really works in the image's favor because it just adds that surreal, haunting feeling. That was a that was a crazy evening or morning. That was um two years ago, and the plane wreck is on the south coast of Iceland. And I got up at like four in the morning to drive down there because my Airbnb was a little further away. So I drove for like two or three hours to get down there, and then I had about uh, I don't remember like an hour walk ahead of me. Luckily, it was already light out when I started walking because it was pretty foggy. And the the way is marked to a degree with like little yellow uh, posts, but it's not like a paved way to get there. So it was super foggy and you just, you couldn't really see what you were walking towards. So I was just walking in this like white fog of nothing for an hour listening to a podcast. And then at some point I was like, is that, a, is that the airplane? And, you know, it was like really tiny at first and you you got closer and closer and um, it got bigger and bigger. And it just felt like you were like on Mars or something because the the sand in the area is black. And then you have this old plane wreck just in the middle of this fog. And you're like, wow, this feels so surreal. And since it was really early in the morning, I was like one of the three people there, which was really nice. Yeah, that sounds really exciting but also terrifying I would be so scared (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes I mean maybe not the smartest idea to go by myself but sometimes I do those things (laughs) well you got some great pictures as a result so good for you (laughs) you have a very diverse portfolio that focuses on many genres as we discussed earlier like travel and wedding photography a lot of people want to build portfolios that are strong and diverse as well. So what advice would you give to people like that? Um, firstly, I would say learn your camera and the basics of photography, which doesn't mean that you immediately know, need to know like off-camera flash and uh, manual focus and all of that. But like, you know, exposure, apertures, uh, shutter speeds, what's the difference? What's it for? Um, that kind of thing really does help to know. And then really, at first, practice. So shoot really diverse things, people, events under different circumstances, like different time of day, different lighting conditions, different weather conditions, to see, first of all, what you like and what you don't like, but also like how that affects your photography and then what suits you and then refine what you like best. So if you say... I would rather take, you know, really bright pictures, then obviously you need more light. Or if you say I want more moody pictures, you know, what what's the best weather condition? Also, when you're trying to like refine your style, look at who inspires you and try to figure out why. Like, what is it about those other people's work that you like? And how can you translate that into your own work without copying them? Um, 
And then lastly, try out new things that you haven't done before, especially ones outside of your comfort zone. So like give yourself a prompt or try different equipment. Say you only shoot, I don't know, at a fixed aperture for the whole day or um, you try a different location, walk through your town or city and look at something that where you normally wouldn't shoot and just try, see what you can come up with um, or different models too. You know, I tend to shoot with women more or um, female presenting people more often than not. And maybe, you know, you try something that you haven't done before or with children, if you haven't done that, just to get out of your comfort zone more. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And that's something even an advanced photographer could do if they feel like they're stuck right. creatively. Yeah, it always helps to just push yourself out of your comfort zone, even if a little, and try something new. And more often than not, at least in my experience, I've found out something new about myself and discovered something new that I didn't know and that inspired me to try something different in the future. It's It's always an exciting thing to kind of just, you know, mess with yourself a little bit and be like hey let's do this for change let's see what we get as a result right and not every picture that you take has to be like museum worthy or sale worthy or something so if inspiration strikes you at like 10 p.m and you're like well sucks it's raining outside and super dark see what you can come up with in your apartment or in your room or even just like at your desk or something you know sometimes the funniest projects even or like the most creative projects come with like super limited resources. Yeah. And also with um, advice to someone who wants to build a portfolio, equipment isn't everything. It helps, I would say, but you also need to know what you're doing with. Like I could give my camera to someone who has never held a camera in their hand and to someone like you who has been shooting for years and the outcome would be completely different because one of them knows a little bit more about the equipment than the other or a lot more. And you also don't need, as I said before, with the location, like there was a time when I used to think I I needed all these like amazing locations, especially nowadays with social media, you see photographers who live like in Hawaii or, you know, like the jungle or something. And you think, oh, I can never take these kind of pictures because I don't have the ocean or I don't have palm trees, but you don't need that for your portfolio. Like everyone around like for example if you want to take pictures of people those people around you still want images of themselves and their families and their loved ones in their normal locations and not every place on earth looks like a you know magazine or a tropical location and that's fine yeah yeah you you make a really good point it's important to get inspiration from other people but to never get to a point where you feel like you're lacking because you don't live where they do or you don't have the equipment they do, that they do exactly yeah. I really like the way that you capture atmospheres in your travel photographs because each image tells a story and there's just personality in each image, even if there's no human subject in it. So I know this is difficult to do and it takes a lot of skill. So do you have any tips on taking meaningful photos of places that don't necessarily have any human subjects? Uh, first of all, thank you. <laughs> that means a lot to me. It would be obvious to say, like, try to find a focal point that isn't a human being if you don't have people. Um, So obviously, for example, if you have a mountain, you could have that be your focal point. But I personally very much like to play with like lines and layers. So if there's a street in the image, how can I frame that street so that it leads into a 
to an interesting direction? Or um, is there stuff in the foreground, the middle and the background that I can use? Maybe, for example, if I'm traveling and I'm inside my car and I see a spot that looks really nice, but I don't really have a way to get out of the car right now or the weather is bad or whatever, I can use, for example, the framing of my window as some sort of foreground framing for the rest of the image for different layers. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, layers are really important, especially in landscape and travel photography, which are kind of the same thing oftentimes. Uh, yeah, that's something I struggle with as just someone who's kind of a beginner in landscape photography, because to me, <laughs> if uh, an image or a composition doesn't have a person, then immediately I feel quite limited, because there's it's, it's much more difficult to create emotions. So yeah, it's good advice, and layers help a ton. They can tell a really meaningful story about a place. Right, yeah, the the layers really do help. And like you can get really creative with the layers too. Like maybe you have a tree that you don't even have to have the whole tree in the foreground. It can just be a couple of branches or your car or your suitcase or a traffic light, you know, whatever it is that you have that you can have in the foreground that immediately makes like leads the eye to the focal point in the image that is not a human being it really helps me yeah yeah wonderful advice okay well i have one more question for you josephine and that is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world i just realized that my notes uh are definitely more than one thing um <laughs> hmm. now i have to choose i'll put the three things and then i'll try to figure out which one's the most important for me okay I would like to make photography more of a consistent income than it has been in the past. There were times where I've made more money from it, times where I've made less money from it, and I would like to make it, um, you know, a more consistent stream of income. I would learn. I would like to learn how to develop analog images, which I think is an art in and of itself. And I lo I love shooting my old analog cameras but then I just give them away to someone else to to develop them, and I would like to learn that. And then for my own ego, I would like to exhibit somewhere that's, like, really public. I had um, my first exhibition when I was 17 years old, but that was, you know, in quotation marks, just at a local hospital in my hometown. Um, but, you know, like, Times Square or like in London or something like you know a really public place um where a lot of people from all over the world are going to see the work that would be pretty cool yeah that would be really amazing and those are great answers those are all great goals and especially you know, if you are interested in making photography something that you know a business that helps you earn more money it's all the power to you I think it's it's an incredible yeah, it's an incredible world, world with a lot of potential, and you could definitely thrive there. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to you and finding out about your amazing work, and I wish you all the very best with your endeavors as a photographer. All right, cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to listen to the podcast and the future episodes as well. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us.
If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'm so happy that I finally had the chance to talk to Josephine about her amazing work. I learned a lot about her photography thanks to this interview, and I'm more inspired than ever to be kind to myself and to also try new things as a photographer. I hope that you learned something new in this interview and that you are encouraged to take good care of yourself and to nurture your creativity. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.